day everyone. It's a beautiful day in the Psyche community. Welcome to Psyche Podcast, where we are dedicated to improving mental health together. You are here with your podcast host, Dr. Amika Simmons-Yan, and our special guest, where we spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on Psyche Podcast, you will get a quick lowdown on what's steaming in the world of mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, subscribe, and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends, where we all can sip on the Psyche tea together and maybe have a side of lemon with it. I hope you're excited because today we have a lot of tea to spill. Okay, family, I know that it has been quite a while since we've been able to sip on some tea together, and I hope you have missed me as much as I have missed you. But today, it's a fantastic day because the weather is changing, and we are starting to feel and see the crispiness of fall. Pretty soon, we'll be smelling and tasting the goodness of holiday treats. But in the meantime... I hope you are having a little hot tea with maybe some pumpkin spice or even ginger and honey. Actually, my tea of choice today is sweet caramel. I don't know about you, but that just sounds warm and so cozy. Oh, how I remember the days sitting with my great grandma, sipping tea and chewing on licorice sticks. It really takes me back because she did have Alzheimer's dementia and sometimes she remembered it was me chatting with her and sometimes she didn't. But I was just glad to be with her and and have her at home. So that's why this topic strikes my bones in a different type of way. And here to help spill the tea is my dear colleague, Annetta Fornell, a medical science director in Florida and a very special guest, the one and only himself, Dr. Mark Agronin. Welcome, Dr. Agronin. Amika, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And even though I'm in sunny, hot Florida, I still feel and remember those days living in the Northeast and those fall, that fall crispness and and the falling leaves. So you bring back some really wonderful memories. And I love how you just gave such a wonderful view of your your grandmother and that's that's how we need to approach this with uh we're working with beloved people and we want to do the best thing for them so thank you for uh, the chance to be here thank you dr nogronin but before we get started i just have to give you the shout outs you so highly deserve psyche family dr mark agronin is a board-certified adult and geriatric psychiatrist, and he is the author of the acclaimed books, The End of Old Age, Living a Longer, More Purposeful Life, and also the book, How We Age, A Doctor's Journey into the Heart of Growing Old. Now, these are very, very popular books. He's also the chief medical officer of the Miami Jewish Mind Institute and an associate professor at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine. But that's not it, because Dr. Agronin is a distinguished fellow of both the American Psychiatric Association and the American Association for Geriatric Psychiatry. He also serves as the president of AAGP, and he is a recipient of 
Excellent in Research and Education Award by Leading Age. Now, might I add, he is the author of 10 books, hundreds of articles, many scientific publications, and regular blog posts. So guess who's getting a personal autograph today? None other than myself. Now, I could go on and on, but the goal today is to discuss agitation in Alzheimer's dementia. And I think this means we need to start from the basics because we all want to understand and feel more comfortable about what it entails. So let's start by first defining agitation. Dr. Gronin, can you please explain this, you know, in simple terms to us? What is agitation in Alzheimer's dementia? What does it look like and what causes it or how do people get it? Well, that's such the that's the question we need to start with to really understand what this is about. Agitation involves behaviors that a person is demonstrating that are causing them enormous distress inside, but also causing other people distress. Things like uh, being verbally aggressive, cursing, yelling, screaming. It might be physical behaviors like trying to strike out or hit other people, kicking or biting. Sometimes it can be behaviors such as trying to leave a safe area. People are restless. They're disinhibited. In general, it's it's a person having a loss of control over their behaviors. And you can imagine how distressing this is for the person themselves, but also those around them. And it really speaks to what's going on with them. Um, on, on a very basic level, if someone has Alzheimer's disease or any other what we call neurocognitive disorder, we know that their brain is being affected. And what does the brain do amongst, amidst many other things? It helps us control our moods. It helps us control our behaviors. And so when the brain is damaged in one of these diseases, our ability to control our moods, our behaviors is damaged as well. And this is why probably close to 90% of people with Alzheimer's disease or any other one of these neurocognitive disorders at some point or another in the course of their disease has some degree of agitation. And on top of that, when you already have the brain that's damaged and the person is more vulnerable to losing control of their behaviors, think about anything can push it over the edge. Pain, feeling nervous or fearful um, in a situation they don't understand, they're confused. Or let's say someone is unable to really communicate their needs, but they have to just yell or scream or do something to let us know what's going on with them. This speaks to the fact that this is a person trying to communicate something to us. These behaviors are messages. They're telling us something is going on. We need to help. We need to understand. And, and that's really what it's all about. We can't blame the person. It's not about being punitive. It's, it's about trying to know what's going on and how can we help. Thank you, Dr. Agronen, for really setting the stage and explaining what agitation is. I think it's clear that agitation is complex. It's frustrating, right? It can be stressful for both the patient and caregiver. So from your experience, um, the patients that you come across on a daily basis, how is agitation addressed? Are there specific treatment steps and strategies that you consider when thinking about the management of agitation in those patients? Even though agitation can seem so complex and distressing, there's some really basic approaches to it that as long as we adhere to, we really grab onto and care for this person, we can 
make all the difference. So the first thing is to really know what is going on, describe what are the behaviors we're concerned about, and to look at their context. When do they occur? Are there certain things triggering them? Something in the environment, something internally, a need they have, something going on in their interactions with other people. So we try to understand it and we want to know medically what's going on and psychiatrically. Is this person anxious or depressed? Maybe they're having panic attacks. Maybe they're hungry or thirsty. It's too hot. It's too cold. To get at that, obviously, we need the caregivers to help us because we can observe and we can ask questions, but the people who are with them all day are in the best position to tell us what they observe, what they see and hear, and, and to at least throw out some, some theories of what might be going on. Once we address that, then we begin to try to tackle those different causes. So if we think there's a lot of anxiety or depression, then we have to address that. Let's say in the moment someone is trying to communicate something that's difficult, we can give them options. We can try to elicit responses. We can try different things to try to find out. So these behavioral approaches involve learning ourselves and training caregivers and others how to deal with it in the moment. So as an example, if someone is, is agitated because they're afraid someone's trying to harm them, we can sit with them, we can ask them what's going on, we can empathize with them, we can try to understand them without having to argue with them or counter what they're doing. And sometimes that can help calm someone. We can redirect them to something that's, that's going to be better for them. We can get them involved in activity that can distract them. Maybe it's music or, or, or pet therapy or going out into nature, something like that that can help help someone calm down internally and we form a connection and a bond with them. Those are always going to be our first approaches to try to deal with this. Dr. Agroni, that's great that you hit on some of those, uh, you know, non-pharmacological things that we can do. Are, are there other ways that we manage or can imagine, manage agitation in Alzheimer's dementia? Once we've addressed or tried to address those causes, whether it's something physical, whether it's something in the environment, um, whether we get them involved in other activities. Once we do that, we have to ask the question, is that enough? <clears throat> Has it done the job? Sometimes the behaviors are causing um, a risk to the person or to other people. Maybe they're striking out or hitting and it's dangerous. Or maybe our plan, our behavioral plan is just not working or not working enough. Or maybe this is someone who has a history of anxiety or panic disorder, or they have hallucinations or some symptom that's, that's severe enough that we do need to think about medications. And in that case, there are lots of different categories that we can consider, and we try to pick the best category to match what's going on. Um, there is one FDA agent that's now indicated for agitation that's associated with dementia of the Alzheimer's type, so we have that as an option. <clears throat> but overall, what we're trying to do is to bring on uh, the right medication at the right dose and to follow up closely to try to augment all of our other all of our other efforts to try to help the person. You know, this is some really good stuff, Dr. Gronin. And, you know, it gives us hope that there are options that can, you know, really be tailored to individual patients and their needs. Like some of the things we don't even think about. It's great to understand that something as small as being able 
to describe what exactly is going on or describe the situation. Also, those behavioral approaches in the moment that you spoke about is such empathetic responses. Even the music I heard you say and and other activities. So, you know, I personally request uh, you to help us to understand this symptom of Alzheimer's dementia a little further, more so around the burden of agitation and its impact. So if agitation is not addressed or managed and in the ways that you have so eloquently described, if they're not managed appropriately, what are the consequences? What is that burden of agitation on the patient and caregivers? So we know for individuals who are agitated, this is a form of pain and suffering. It's difficult. uh, Just imagine being terrified of a situation and not being able to communicate to it or not understanding what people are saying to you or imagine having pain that you can't really describe but you know it's there you feel it so it can be just awful for people going through it which is why we need to really jump in and do everything we can to help them for caregivers we know just being a caregiver itself individuals already face increased rates of depression increased medical problems even increase mortality rates. And when you add agitation into this, it's even a greater burden for so many caregivers. And sometimes it can just put them over the edge and their own health begins to suffer. So we always need to focus on the caregivers as well and understand what they're going through and make certain that if they need help themselves, whether it's from a counselor, a support group, education we can give them, or maybe they need treatment themselves for for mental health issues that we help them and work as a partner along the way. I tell people when I first meet with them and I tell families, this is not a race, this is a marathon. We're gonna be working together for a long time. I need to know you, you need to know me. We need to forge that partnership. And I think you gave the best example when you opened up. You talked about sitting with your grandmother and that time with her. That is priceless. But it also speaks to the fact that when someone is so beloved to you you'll do anything to help them and that's the type of spirit we really need to bring to this psyche has so many amazing resources to that end and i'd call attention to one which focuses on stigma when we negatively assign people um you know attitudes or attributes which dehumanize them, we're not going to go the distance with them. We're not going to be as involved. It makes them more difficult. And, and that program from Psyche is really good at helping people understand ways in which you can take a better focus or better agitated uh, or, you know, better attitude towards it. So um, if if everyone we work with, we looked at it the way like you look at your grandmother, think about how amazing care would be for everyone. And that's really our charge. That's our responsibility to bring this to to families. And I can tell you what we do for them, we get back 100% because it doesn't matter how difficult it can be sometimes working with these situations. When you form that bond, you help them, it feels great. And we know that we, we are relieving suffering. We're making people feel better. And caregivers and individuals with Alzheimer's disease and other conditions can thrive. They can live as full and meaningful meaningful life as possible when we're that involved with them. And that's key. We, we cannot forget about that. Really uh, appreciate your perspective on this, Dr. Agronin, right? It's clear that the impact of agitation on this already 
complex and devastating uh, disease is significant, right, for both the patient and the caregiver. So that connection with the patient is so critically important and could be so helpful here. Thank you so much for highlighting that and also one of the resources uh, that you highlighted on PsyQ. So if our listeners wanted to learn more uh, about this particular topic of agitation or find out more resources, uh, where would you point them to? So I, I mentioned just one of the the resources on PsychU, but that is one of many. There are some great programs that are concise, that are informative about what causes agitation, looking at the role of different neurotransmitters, an example, um, talking about caregiver burden and a lot of the considerations in terms of treatment for it, looking at how we, we, we ca- characterize it, how we categorize it in terms of codes, um, really, every aspect of agitation is addressed in these programs in PsychU. I would tell people start with that. Everything you need to know about agitation is going to be, be within those programs, and it's really accessible. You don't really even have to have a, a significant background to really understand them and to really learn from them. And these are things that you can pass along to your family if, if, it's, if it's affecting you personally, to other caregivers, to other clinicians. So. To me, those are some of the best resources to begin with. So in addition to the information on, on PsychU, which focuses, a lot of its focus focuses specifically on agitation, I would also refer people to the website for the Alzheimer's Association. I think they have some of the best educational material, uh, updates on what's going on. And, and you know the facts and figures that's put out every year really walks you through so many of the issues we spoke about today, and I think it's it's one of the best ways to get a good background into the disease itself. You know, Dr. Gronin, we can't thank you enough for pointing out those resources and actually for spilling the tea on agitation in Alzheimer's dementia, something that more and more of us are faced with every day. You know, that awareness, love, and appropriate care for our patients are paramount. But the consideration and those resources and assistance to our caregivers is is just as important. So a sincere thank you to Dr. Agronin, and I'll take my autograph now. Amika, thank you so much. It's really an honor to uh, be on the program, and uh, I hope uh, this information will really be helpful to everyone listening. So there you have it. You heard it for yourself right here on PsyQ Community Podcast. But you don't have to stop here. Definitely check out the show notes for the links to find more resources on today's discussion on PsyQ.org. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more hot topics right here on PsyQ Community Podcast, please rate and review us. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you always get the new episode when it drops. Because we love to spill the tea. Also, check out our other social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening, family, and have a bright day.